What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact every bite is better with Pepsi. David, you had mentioned this past week uh, about some numbers you were getting out of North Dakota. Of course, that was a big conversation with regard to prevent plant because they were getting so late and they had so many different weather issues going on. What's the latest number? I heard Marlon Sinderman came out with 3 million acres in North Dakota. Yeah, 3 million acres. And I want to point out, he's derived this from taking the percent of the corn that's unplanted times their typical acres that they do plant. So that would give you a very substantial number. Yeah, you know, uh, for the past several weeks, trade's been more focused, I think, on U.S. planting and weekly crop reports to John's point. And John, you know, with tight supplies going into the season, like you just mentioned a few minutes ago, it's, it seems the weather and its impact on weekly crop reports going to be a lot more impact on market prices. Weather's always a big factor, but our supplies are so tight and having a great crop is so important that we will fluctuate and see more volatility than normal on the slightest little change in the weather forecast. And David, by the way, what is the latest on the weather forecast? In the oh, oh, yeah. You know, because one of the reasons the markets broke so much this week is, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, one of the three things that could break the market. Well, a better weather forecast. And they did come up with that earlier in the week. They were saying, oh, normal temperature, normal precip across the whole belt. Everybody looks good. And then all of a sudden on Friday, they had the June 15th to the July 15th update. And they said, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be from Illinois all the way to Nebraska and from Minnesota all the way down to the Gulf. They're talking about the Western Corn Belt, that includes Illinois, to be hot and dry. Now, Indiana, thank you so much. We're looking at normal precip, normal temperatures, same for Ohio. I'm sorry, folks out West, but we've had a lot of wet springs and wet summers here. We need to break and it looks like they're going to give it to us because if we go into pollination time with normal normal oh my goodness and let them suffer out west i'm sorry folks out there but you always thumbed your nose at us when we had problems so i'm going to thumb my nose at you a little bit we've said it before in fact at the fort wayne farm show that uh, brazil is a huge country north to south i don't know kind of like the distance between calgary and the southern tip of texas so a ton of different weather and the market has been watching to determine its effect on brazil's safrina corn crop and john you always track the discount to Brazil corn, apparently 20 cent discount to U.S. corn. So give us an overview. What's going on down there in Brazil right now? I know they get- They're harvesting. They're finally getting into harvest. And when that corn hits the market, they have to sell it. They do sell it. So therefore they come in and they heavily discount it. So right now the cheapest corn in the world is coming out of South America, Brazil, and also Argentina because they're into harvest and therefore the offers are cheaper. That won't last long this year, not as long as it usually does because the crop is small. Now, Now this crop- let me clarify that. The Brazilian crop this year is much larger than last year. However, it is coming in smaller than what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. In fact, IHS Market, which is the former Informa, yes. former Sparks analytical group, has dropped the Safrina corn crop another 2 million tons from their last estimate. They've got it down to 113 million tons, and that compares with the USDA estimate of 116 million tons. So that's, again, helping to tighten up overall world corn supplies. And we simply have to have good crops this year. We really have to have 
uh, top-notch crops this year just to keep our supplies even moderate. And yet, David, what you're hearing on the weather forecast here from mid-June to mid-July sounds like just the opposite. Exactly. That's what I'm hearing. That just came out on Friday. Yeah, and it's not just about us, David, because you and I were comparing notes here recently. They had a dry stretch in China. They had this weather down in Brazil that caused them some fits. We're also talking about some other areas, too, uh, one of which is uh, of France. Their wheat crop, which has been downgraded significantly, and then India had their issues. But apparently, India, the interesting thing there is they say plans to curtail exports have now been dropped. They're going to go ahead because they had monsoon rains. So again, back to yes. the weather again. Yes, their rice crop in particular has really benefited from this rain. And yes, they are going to, I think they're looking on a case-by-case basis, but both rice and wheat exports are going to come back again. But the thing was really interesting to me is the French soft wheat crop, which we've been talking about weekly, they have a major drought in Europe right now, especially Spain and southern France. And they've now downgraded the condition of the French soft wheat crop five weeks in a row. It's down to 67% good to excellent. And I expect it to fall a little bit further here, especially as they go into harvest time. So I'm keeping a real close watch on that. If I see any updates on that, I'll be glad to share it on my morning updates or we can share it on the weekend too. Yeah. Now let's talk about palm oil for a second uh, because as I look at things, uh, U.S. crushers are taking some downtime right now. COVID apparently has made some problems with Malaysia and their crush pace because of labor issues there. But uh, uh, palm oil was a, was another story this week. We've been talking about palm oil for the past year and it's it, it kind of amazes me that one of the driving, strongest driving forces in this bean bull market has been a shortage of Malaysian palm oil for various and sundry reasons. But once again, we got some bullish news on a palm oil this past week. The Malaysian Palm Oil Council came out and cut production estimates once again for palm oil production in Malaysia. And they've been doing that repeatedly. And at the same time, they expect higher demand coming from India. So a smaller crop, smaller production and, and increased demand. And Palm oil prices took off again, and that caused soybean oil prices to take off again. And we had one day last week when the market was up over 50 cents in soybeans, and primarily because of the cutback in the Malaysian palm oil production. Also, at the same time, Pakistan came in and bought some U.S. soybeans. So the two together caused a sharp rally in soybeans. I'm glad that you gave that explanation because, you know, a lot of times I think as soon as we bring up palm oil, people's eyes glaze over because they wonder how it applies to us. And it certainly has, to your point, a great impact on the soybean complex. David, one of the other things that has a good deal of impact on a particular sector is um, things like 4th of July on the livestock sector. And, uh, you know, you always point to these things with demand for meat products. And trade right now seems to be a lot more focused on the July 4th demand. Yeah, definitely. You know, Father's Day is coming back into the picture because Mother's Day was always the big beef day. But Father's Day with barbecuing is really taking a beef demand issue here and increasing that. So I'm glad to see that. But three days this week, we saw some of the best beef sales we've seen on a truckload basis in many, many months. And we're also seeing really, really good demand going forward, especially for that 4th of July weekend. I know the cash market was a little weak this week for the cattle. I'm disappointed with that. But at the same time, the hog market went berserk. And we're talking about much higher prices for hogs going forward. So I think, you know, rising tide floats all boats. We might see it help out the cattle market, especially since we're seeing the weights continue to drop. 
for cattle carcasses. That's going to be a positive sign as we go into the summer also. Yeah. And again, like you always say, Mexico has been a hero again. And so we appreciate their business. This part of the program where we got this little guy on the sidelines who he's jumping up and down, waving his hand in the air, you know, put me in coach, put me in coach. And it's, it's John Kavanaugh. He, he always wants the last word. So, all right, your turn. I get to carry the ball. I get to get in the game. Yep. I do. Oh, actually, I got a couple of things here just to point out. Uh, just a little update on world corn supplies in particular from Ukraine. IHS markets actually increased their expectations for corn production in Ukraine. They increased it by 5 million tons up to 24 and a half million tons. However, that's still 18 million tons below last year's 42 million tons. That still projects Ukraine corn production this year to be down a little more than 40% from a year ago. That's 40% uh, reduction. Wow. However, you didn't talk about this, but planning is going well. We're pretty much on the five-year pace now. And a lot of talk, though, about North Dakota and Minnesota being far behind and having a lot of prevented planted acres. And North Dakota, for example, it was only 56% planted on corn last week. That was up quite a bit from the previous week. But guys, do you realize that Ohio is even lower than that? Have you heard any talk about that? Ohio was only 51% planted. They're the farthest behind of any major producing corn state. And that's just right here on our border. So we need to keep an eye on that and see what those numbers are come Monday. When you talk about North Dakota, I got to point out something else too, though. They're only 23% planted on soybeans. Ooh, oh, <laughs> you know? no. Holy cow, right, is right. Only 23% planted last week. I find it a little bit ironic that ground was going to be broken this coming week on a new soybean processing plant, the first soybean processing plant in North Dakota. It's a joint venture between ADM and Marathon Petroleum. They're building a plant at Spiritwood, North Dakota, the first one in North Dakota. And it's going to be a big plant, crushing 150,000 bushels a day. I have to ask the question. That's pretty far north. Where are they going to get the soybeans? Make a note of it. These will be posted on the WoWo Farm page as podcasts, so you can go back and take a listen to them. Or if you've got friends or family that would like to listen to them, just make sure that you let them know. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau, talking about the bonus benefits when you become a member of your local Farm Bureau. When you flash your Farm Bureau membership card, you get discounts on things like hotels, cha-ching, savings. But the biggest benefit of a Farm Bureau membership is the way the Farm Bureau fights our battles on issues like taxes, waters of the U.S., broadband, and making sure the farm families can keep farming and keep it in the family. Support your local Farm Bureau by simply becoming a member. That's all it takes. Just go online to it pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.